Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way through the book of 1 Peter, this great little letter towards the back of our English Bibles in which Peter writes to encourage these people who are elect exiles are suffering for their faith, and he's writing to encourage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to remind them that their hope isn't founded on their present circumstances, but on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is in him and in him alone that they have hope. On Saturday, we began looking at verses 22 through 25 of 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to continue that today, unpacking a little bit more. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, we took a glance at it on Saturday, and we're going to look at it a little bit more this morning. Let me read these verses, and then I'll pray for us, and we'll get started. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Father, as we once again look at your word, would you strengthen us by your spirit, that we might believe your word that we might hope in your word, that we might be strengthened to hope even in the midst of our suffering. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Well, we looked on Saturday at these ideas that we have been purified by our obedience to the truth, that is, by faith in Christ, by believing the gospel through which we're obtaining the salvation of our souls. Our souls have been purified, and because of that, we now are called to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We're to, to run after that. Peter then, as I, I mentioned on Saturday, Peter then gives us this next statement where, where again he undergirds this imperative with the reality of what has happened to us in the gospel. Since you have been born again, because, because this is the reality. That's why you're to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Because you have been born again. The word for born again here, anaganao, is, is only used twice in the New Testament. Once here and once earlier in 1 Peter. Back in verse 3 where we read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, the new birth is talked about in similar language in other places in the Bible, and we'll look at those. But this particular word is only found in these two spots. And here in verse 23, it's passive. In verse 3 that we looked at a while back, it's God was the, the agent. He was the one. He caused us to be born again. Here, we have been born again. Our new birth, in which we have life, is not our own doing. 
We're, we're passive in that reality. This is part of the joy, the glory of the gospel is that we don't earn it. We're, we're utterly passive. It's not the result of something we've done. It's not some action we take on ourselves. It is the gracious work of God. It is a work done, as Peter told us in verse 3, according to his great mercy. He has shown mercy on us and given us new birth. We see this also in John chapter 1. He's talking in the introduction to the gospel of John. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is, this is the reality of our new birth. This is the reality of us being born again. It's not our will that brings it about. It is God in his abundant mercy. This is a confusing point for all of us. I understand that. It was a confusing point for the first century believers as well. If we just turn one page in John, we read the story of Nicodemus where he comes and he says, Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this utterly baffled Nicodemus. Am I entering again in my mother's womb? What's going on? And and Jesus questions him. You're a teacher of the law, and yet you don't understand the new birth. What what have you been teaching people? What's going on, Nicodemus? And the reason that Jesus thought he should get this is because in the Old Testament, it talks about these same realities. It uses different metaphors at different times, sometimes the circumcision of the heart, we see two of the most dramatic pictures of the new birth in the book of Ezekiel. In back-to-back chapters, in chapter 36, we read this. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. There's the new birth. And notice that it's God who is the subject. It is God who is the actor. I will do this. I will do this. I will give this new life to you. I will sprinkle you clean. There's a lot of overlap between what Peter has been saying and how he's been presenting these ideas and how Ezekiel does in those few verses we just read. The new birth will lead to new obedience. The new birth will come from the the sprinkling clean of the people of God. The new birth will be the work of God in the people of God. In the next chapter, chapter 37, we have this vision of the valley of dry bones where Ezekiel looks out and sees this valley full of bones and they were very dry. And God asks him, can these bones live? And he says, you know. 
And God tells him to prophesy. And lo and behold, as he prophesies, these bones come to life. God gives life to dead things. This is the gospel. This is the hope that we have. This is the grounding, the the foundation of the Christian ethic. That God has made us new in Jesus Christ. That's why we are called to love one another. Since you have been born again. How? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Previously, we were born of perishable seed. And and, and through the fall, we we all perish. And we all are brought into the reality of sin. But, But the new work that God does in us can't be undone, not even by our sin. Because the blood of Christ was shed for it that we might be made clean. And he paid for all, all of our sin. And so this new birth is imperishable. And he gives us the agency of it through the living and abiding word of God. How is it that this comes about? By the word of God. Faith comes through hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. This living word gives life. And it's an abiding word. It's not a word that goes away or or, or proves faulty or, or, or proves false or loses its weight. This is a word that remains. This living word by which we have been born again remains. It's the very word of God. This brings us back to the book of Deuteronomy. See, none of this theology that we're looking at in the New Testament, none of it is new. This is all just the the fulfillment of what was given in the Old Testament. God hasn't come up with a new plan. It was always through his word that his people would have life. That's why Moses says, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. The newness of the gospel, the newness of the New Testament isn't that it's a different word. It's that it's a fulfillment of that old word that was always to be life for the people of God by which we are to live. All of those sacrifices that that Moses was telling them to be careful and do have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the living word of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. By him, we have been born again. This is why Peter calls us to love one another earnestly. And this is why we are able to. Because with the new identity of him causing us to be born again, came a new hope and a new security, this inheritance stored up from us. So in our suffering, when our flesh calls out to seek itself first, we can deny it by the Spirit of God and love those around us.
See, that's what the new birth, that's how it changes our life in the present by giving us life in the future. You've been born again, dear Christian, and it can't be undone. It's of imperishable seed. And this new birth has been wrought in you by the living and abiding word of God. Rest in that word. Be strengthened by that word that you might love your brothers and sisters earnestly. Amen.